Hey, this is Jerry Galloway. I'm the pastor of LHA Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this encourages your heart, strengthens your faith, and gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. As you know, today's Pastor Appreciation Day. So, <laughs> today we're all about honoring our pastors and thanking them for the wonderful ministry they give to us here in the church. Amen. Thank them for the sacrifices they make of their own time. And I know that they, uh, they love us here. And I know that they do it willingly. But we want to thank them for the devotion they have, the ministry they give, the, the worship that comes here, the, the preaching of the word. It all just builds us up and makes us stronger in our faith. And today we want to, we want to lift them up. And I encourage you today, because our testimony back to them is an example of what they do for us. So I would ask you to make a point when you see them today to let them know, you know, speak from the heart how, you, how they've helped you in their lives. I know they would appreciate hearing from you and hearing that. So this morning, uh, the board would like to make a presentation to our pastors. So if I could have the uh, board members and their wives come up here, please. And if I could also have the pastors, if they'd come up here on the floor with me, please. currency. And I thought, currency? I thought, what do you want me to give that to Jen for? And the Lord showed me, he said, in this world, there's currency that we use in this world system, and it's to promote things that we buy and sell and, you know, just commerce and things like that. But then he said, in the kingdom, there's currency that he uses. And he said that the currency that he uses is love. And he said that he wants you to know that he is very proud of you. And he's very happy that you're here and that you are truly a blessing to this church. And we are so thankful that you're here, that you can minister to our babies and our children. And so he just wants you to know that today. And he wants you to know that the currency that he gives through you, that currency is going to be distributed throughout the whole world because he's going to do that for our children, our babies. And they're going to grow and they're going to distribute his love throughout the world and things that he wants them to know. And you're the vehicle that he's going to use. And so he just wants you to know that today, that he loves you. would not be the same without you. 
sees you in everything you do. Sometimes when you're doubting yourself, he's not doubting you. He wants you to know that he loves you. He's so proud of you for everything you're doing. And this church loves you and stands behind you and supports you. We love you and thank you for all that you've done. small straws. Come on out here. <laughs> um, no, I'm just joking. I'm just, I, it's so easy to pick on him because he's so fun. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have a lot of volunteers uh, in our staff here that, that we're blessed to have them. They, they go way above and beyond their job description, if, that's, if, if we have a job description. They go way above and beyond. And uh, Jerry's no, or Jeremy's no exception to that. And um, I thought, how could I illustrate what he does every day? Uh, imagine with, with me for a minute, if you could strap a camera on his head, it'd be a funny home video. <laughs> but, uh, but, but you would see that uh, this guy is always moving. He's doing everything. And you know, personally, when I call him, and I, I hate to call anybody at home, uh, any of the pastors at home and bother them on their personal time, but when I call him at home, he's always willing. Um, he's very happy to help. And I think he's like that with everybody. He's ready to go. Uh, anything that needs to be done for the, you know, for the uh, uh, passion of Christ and, and what God needs to have done at, at our church, he's ready to jump in. He wears a lot of hats. So we're very pleased to have him. We love him. And uh, he's proven himself through time, uh, good times and bad times. He, he's, he's persevered. So we love him. Thank you, Jeremy, so much. Here's a, so I appreciate it. Well, if Harold got the short straw, I got the tall straw. <laughs> Pastor, it's just an honor to stand here and say thank you for everything that you do for each one of us here, for this church, this whole congregation. The way you minister through the Spirit of God is just amazing. You listen, you hear, and you obey what the Spirit tells you. And we thank you so much for that. And for that, we're just honored to call you pastor. But we're also honored to call you friend. God bless you. Thank you. remain standing uh, and lift your hands towards our staff board wives if you would just lay your hands on our pastors and we're just going to say a prayer for each and every one of them please heavenly father 
We thank you for the leadership that you have placed in this church, the strength, the power, the integrity, and the character of each and every one of them. God, they have touched and impacted each and every one of us in many, many different ways. And we thank you. We thank you for the investment that you've made in this church, that you've made in us and in them. God, right now, we just pray that you would just continue to put your anointing upon each and every one of our staff members. That, God, they would sense your presence in each and every situation. That they would feel your love and your compassion. And, God, that they would go out and they would serve with that same attitude and mentality. Let them know how much in this church, Father, they are loved by this congregation. How they just touch our lives and they bless us when it's in a ministry position and when it's just as friends. God, we just ask your blessing upon this team right now. That you would continue to strengthen it. That you would continue to make it grow. That you would continue to develop it. That this team would just become stronger and stronger in you. That when people walk into this church, Lord God, they don't see individuals. They see Jesus. God, have your way in this congregation, in this church, but most of all in this leadership team. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done and for all the great things that are yet to come because we believe the best is yet to come. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for all these things. And together as a congregation, we just say amen. Amen. We love you dearly. It's been a great journey as we've walked together these many years. And I do believe the words that Bob said in his prayer, the best is yet to come for us. Our best years are ahead of us, not behind us. We look forward to all that God is yet to do in us and through us. For he who began a good work in us will complete that work. That's his word, and that's his promise to us. <laughs> yes, ma'am. How do you tell your wife no? <laughs> you, you ask for forgiveness before you ask permission. Last night, um, I was supposed to write you something, and then well, we got really tired, and like the night just, it's a bit early, um, and then this morning, and then I got up late, and I want to I say something to you, and I don't have to say it in front of other people, because I say it to you all the time anyway, but I, w- I want to say it to you in front of other people. I'm so proud of you. Gerald, I'm so proud of you are the greatest pastor in the world of pastors. I told you that this morning, and I realize it's kind of a mom-wife compliment. Like, <laughs> you expect me to say that? But I don't have to say that to you, Jerry. I don't have to. And what I was going to write down to you was um, that nobody in this church knows how great of a man of integrity you are except me. They don't live with you, and I do. And what I was going to write was in 20, 
eight years of marriage. <laughs> I've never even seen you look at another woman. If, if you've done it, I haven't seen it. You never watch anything bad on TV. I've never heard you cuss. And I could list a billion things. And a lot of ministers' wives have to listen to a man in the pulpit and then go home with a guy who's not the same guy. And it's never been like that for me, Jerry. I go home with you and I will always sit on the front row, not because that's where the pastor's wife should sit. It's because I don't want the interruption of other people. I want to hear what God has given you because I'm in the house with you when you're preparing and, and I'm watching and I'm listening. And I think I would be really hard, Jerry, on, on a pastor. <laughs> I think I would, I don't think I would be very merciful to a person who, who was one way in the pulpit and was a different way at home and you're not like that. You really are a man of integrity, Jerry. And we've been here 25 years and people come and people go and I've seen you be hurt. I've seen you worry about your sermons. You are so wonderful. You're so wonderful. You always be my pastor, always, always. You're my husband, my love, my everything. You are my pastor. Every time you preach, I take notes because I believe that the things you're saying are from God. And the reason I believe that is because I see your life at home. I appreciate you as my pastor. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you on this appreciation day in ways that no one else can appreciate you as their pastor. Thank you for being a man of integrity, just being the guy you are. I was supposed to write all that and I bet you it would have been shorter. <laughs> Possibly longer. Thank you for your continued kindness to us. Not just today, but every Sunday that we share together with you in the house of the Lord. What a blessing and honor it is for us. Today as a congregation, it is an honor for us to have Chad and Julie McAtee and their handsome young men with them. And uh, it's great to have them here today. They just, this year, took a position at the district office, were elected. Chad serves as our district secretary. I know you're going to do an incredible job. I know it's a big task ahead of you, but he who began a good work in you, he will complete it. The ones that he calls, he always equips, gives them exactly what they need. Chad, you may not have it, in advance, but he'll never be late. He'll always be right on time for you, my friend. It is an honor to have you here today. And it is an honor for you to bring the word of the Lord to our hearts and our lives. Now I want to encourage your congregation to get out your Bible or your electronic device of choice. Follow along today as we hear the word of the Lord. God bless you, my friend. Good morning. 
Wow. This is a great place, isn't it? Great place. I tell you what, uh, it thrills my soul to see the way that you honor your pastors and uh, the great <clears throat> men and, and women of God that they are. And uh, I, I don't know that we're going to hear a better sermon than we just heard about the kind of people that we ought to be um, than just a moment ago. That was wonderful. And so, uh, guys, take note. That's the person you're supposed to be. And uh, let's, let's work at that and let's become that person. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. As you're turning there this morning, I, I want to say it is an honor to be here. It's uh, with great joy that I, I'm here as well. It's, it, I'm so glad my family could come with me this morning. Uh, when uh, Bob called and asked if I would come, uh, one of my first thoughts, Bob, was, I wonder if this is all right with Pastor Jeremy, uh, Jerry. You know, is it, all, is, it all, is it? But Bob told me it was all right, and so uh, I said yes that we would love to come, and and we're here. And Pastor Jerry and Paula, I honor you today. And I, I wrote this down this morning. I just wanted to say this little blessing over you. I honor you today for the way that you've served this church and served this community. For the way that you are raising up worship leaders and the way that you're raising up pastors to fill our pulpits across this state and across this country. I bless you today for doing that. You are helping keep this movement that we call the Assemblies of God, which is just a small part of the kingdom of God. You're helping keep the doors open, and I bless you today for that. I bless you today for the anointing that you carry and the unction of the Holy Spirit that is alive and well inside of you. And because it's alive and well inside of you, it's in this church. And that anointing and that unction of the Holy Spirit is transforming people's lives for the kingdom of God. Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Paula, I don't know why I keep calling you Jeremy. Pastor Jerry and Pastor Paula, I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Could you give them a hand of applause this morning? <laughs> The kingdom's big, my friends. We're a small part of it. This church in Marion's a small part, even just a small part of the assemblies of God. We're 70 million strong. And our churches today in the United States and around the world will be 70 million strong with, with just part of the assemblies of God. I'm thankful that we get to be a part of it. Amen? And I'm thankful for the word of the Lord this morning. Let's, let's look in Genesis chapter 35. We're going to read some, several scriptures here, starting in verse 1. It says this, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, Get rid of your foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Now, I want, to, I want to say this this morning. It wasn't just Jacob and a couple of people. Uh, understand with me that uh, they traveled with bands of people. Oftentimes, large groups of people went together. And so it wasn't just Jacob and, and a couple others. There was a large group of people that were with him that were traveling that you could almost say were his people. He was uh, shepherding them. He was, he was the leader. They were the followers, all right? Some of them were uh, family members. Others were, were servants. 
Uh, others were probably friends, but they were going together. And he's saying to them, hey, clean up your stuff. Get your life in order. We're going somewhere. The Lord is moving us. All right, let's look in verse 3. He says, then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me where I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their foreign gods that they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns and all around them, so that they, they had no one pursue them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called that place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him, when he was fleeing his brother from his brother. Verse 9, after Jacob returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Now listen this morning, this word to Jacob or this word to Israel is a word to us this morning as well. He says, I am the God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you. And I give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him, and at that place where he had talked with him, Jacob set up a stone pillar at that place where God had talked to him, and he poured out a drink offering on it, and he also poured oil on it. Jacob called that place where God talked with him, he called it Bethel. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we need your anointing. Lord, your anointing's here, but Lord, I need an increase of your anointing this morning. Lord, would you use me and would you touch every ear to hear what the Spirit of God would say to them personally today, I ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said... As Pastor said just a few moments ago, there's been a life change for our family. We have been pastoring for 14 years in a town north of here called North Manchester. Maybe you've heard of it, small town. And God dealt with my heart, even though I was not interested in allowing my name to run for our executive secretary position. And so we go to our district council in May, and on May 21st, there was a vote. And on that vote, uh, we were elected, all right? I don't necessarily think that that meant we won, <laughs> all right? We pastored a church that we absolutely loved. We were in a community that we absolutely loved. Uh, but God had, we had just finished building a building uh, two years now. It's been two years now that we moved into that building. And in the middle of building that building, one day uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said this. He said, you know you're building this for someone else. And I was like, oh, don't even think about that. Just keep right on moving, all right? And, and, uh, and so we did. We just kept uh, pastoring, kept living life, and, and, it was, and it was wonderful. And, but God had another plan. And so today, because of that, I had the opportunity to be here with you. In that life change, some of the things that I really enjoy have changed as well. For instance, I love to hunt, okay? If you're a hunter, you know that uh, this is hunting season, all right? Well, I moved from uh, living uh, on 11 acres uh, to cornfields around me to living in a neighborhood. That's different, okay? It's a change. 
uh, moving to Indianapolis. There are no hunting places uh, that I have down there to hunt, and so this hunting season's kind of been a downer. But I, one of my uh, teenagers that uh, was raised up in our youth group lives west of Indianapolis, and, and on Friday he said, won't you come hunting with me? So I said, sounds great, I'll go. And when I got out of bed on Friday morning, I'm not sure what it was like up here, but you couldn't even hardly see the end of the driveway. It was so foggy. But I, I'm stubborn like a lot of guys, and I thought, this is my chance. I'm going. So I got in the car while it was dark. I started driving. It was not easy. When I was trying to exit the highway, I could not even see the ramp. I, I had my hand out the window feeling for it, but I, couldn't, I, I could not even see it. And I, I, I mean, it was bad. There were some areas that were worse. This was a bad area, all right? And I, I made it off the interstate, and I started going down these roads, and I'm thinking, I'm not even going to get there. But I did make it, and I made it to where I was going. And I went and got in a tree stand in the middle of a fog <laughs> with a loaded gun. <laughs> I couldn't see anything. <laughs> and the sun was up, I think. If a deer walked by me from here to the back of the sanctuary, it would have been safe. It probably could have had a flashing light on it. It would have been safe. It could have had a red nose. Probably would have been safe. And I'm sitting there, and part of me is like, what are you doing? The other part of me was like, this is wonderful. I'm not in an office. This is glorious. And then it was 8 o'clock, and it was still couldn't see. And then it was 9 o'clock, and I still couldn't see. And at 10 o'clock, I could start to see a little bit further than the back of the wall. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, good, the deer can see also. They're going to get up and start moving around. They never did, all right, just in case you're wondering. So I sat there in my tree stand, and I prayed. I read my Bible. You know, when you have your phone, you have your Bible with you everywhere. I read my Bible. I mean, they couldn't see the light on my phone anyway, so it didn't matter. And I read my Bible. I prayed, and, and I was just spending time with the Lord for several hours, really. And in the process of that, in a moment, it cleared off. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And then in a moment, it was foggy again. <laughs> and I started thinking, there's got to be a sermon illustration here somewhere. That's what preachers do, all right? Sermon illustration right here. And so, and, and then all of a sudden, it started, it started, the fog started to move away, and then the fog would come back in, and the fog would move away, and it'd come back in. And it did, and it did that for quite a while till about 1045, really. And then I left and went home. And in the process of that, I started thinking and, and just praying and, and knowing what I was going to be speaking on today. And, and I realized the altar in our lives is so important. Because in a moment in life, the fog moves in. You know where you're heading, you know where you're going, and then all of a sudden, you're in a place and you can't see anything. And you're saying to yourself, dear Lord, what am I doing? 
and you go to the altar and you spend time at the altar. And at the altar, whether the altar's right here in the front of the church or the altar's in your garage, in your car, in your living room, on your back porch, wherever it is that you're spending time with the King of glory, that the Lord begins to bring revelation to you and you can see again. And the Lord begins to deliver the word of the Lord to you. And all of a sudden, it's like all, the clearing comes and you know the direction you're, you're going. And then the enemy, he'll blow something right in front of your face again. And all of a sudden, you can't see as well. And so then you have to get back to the altar. You have to get back to the place of meeting with God. And that's what Jacob was doing. Jacob had said to the people with him, listen, we're going to go meet with the Lord. We're going to Bethel. It's my altar place. I met with God there one time several years ago. We're going back. This morning I want to challenge you in this room. Maybe you met with the Lord several years ago at the altar. I want to say to you this morning, the altar needs to become your best friend. And the day that we live in, the trials and tribulation and the glory of the king that we live in, we need to make sure that the altar is our best friend. Some in this room would say, the altar scares me. I don't like going to the altar. What would people think of me if I go to the altar? Hey, let me say this. Who cares? If you're going to meet with the king of glory... Who cares what the person next to you really thinks? Maybe you ought to grab them by the ear and drag them down there with you. The altar scares me. What if I go up there and Jesus tells me something and I don't want to do it? It's safer at my seat. He's probably not going to say anything to me right here. What if I go to the altar and I'm not healed? Let me ask this question. How many of you have been to the altar and been prayed for and have not been healed when you came? All right. Lots of hands went up. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have gone to the altar and been prayed for and were healed at the altar? Look at all those hands. I would say to you this morning, if that's your fear, you have a much better chance of getting healed at the altar than not being healed at the altar. Amen? What if I go to the altar and I'm not filled? I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what if I go and I'm not filled? Let me say again, you probably have a much better chance at the altar than you do at your seat. How long do I stay at the altar? I don't want to go to the altar. I don't even know how long to stay there. Well, I want to say this to all of us in this room. Let's stay until the King of Glory meets with us. Who knows how long that would be. You might show up here and in 30 seconds he just moves right upon you and you have an experience that's incredible. Or it might be five minutes, ten minutes. Could be everybody's eating lunch already and you're still seeking the Lord. When I was growing up, we had uh, Sunday night services. I don't know if you have Sunday night services here, but most churches did back in the olden days. And... Uh, my family, we, we went to church every time the doors were open. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, one-week revival, two-week revival. It didn't matter. It was never like, oh, I'm going to pray about going. No, you just went. You have to wonder, what are we going to do on Sunday? Well, I can tell you, we're going to Sunday school, we're going to church, we're going to eat, we're going back to church. That's how it was. They have to wonder. 
You didn't have to wonder. Of course, there was only three channels on TV back then, so you didn't have anything else to do. Now you have 500, so you just stay home. Lord, have mercy. Did I just say that? Forgive me. And on Sunday night, almost every Sunday night, my dad went to the altar. I mean, I'm talking about when I was growing up. My dad, he got out of his seat and he went to the altar. And so as a kid, you know what I did? I got out of my seat and I went to the altar with him. And I knelt down next to him. And my goal was always this. This is still on the question of how long do I stay. My goal was always this, stay a little bit longer than my dad. Hey, not everything in the, is a competitiveness in the world, but almost everything is, all right? And so my goal was stay longer than my dad. Now, after about five seconds, I didn't have anything else to pray. Man, when you're five years old, how many times can you pray for your dog? And so I just knelt there, and I would listen to my dad pray. It would probably be good for all the kids to hear their dad pray. And I'd hear him pray in English about something, and then I'd hear him pray in his prayer language. And I thought, how does he do that? I don't. I grew up in Missouri. My dad was just kind of a hillbilly from Missouri, and I, and I knew he wasn't smart enough to know more than one language. <laughs> he barely knew English. <laughs> Pertinier was one of his favorite words. It still is. All right. So I'm just telling you. Okay, But I would hear him pray in his prayer language. I think, how does he do that? And I would just stay there at the altar. And then when I was 10 years old, I would go to the altar and I'd kneel down next to my dad and I would stay there at the altar as I was learning how to pray. And then when I was 14 years old, I'd be at the altar next to my dad and I was learning how to pray. And when I was 16, I was at the altar on Sunday nights kneeling next to my dad. And I was learning how to pray. And when I was uh, 17, when I was a junior in high school, I'm at the altar. Now that time, my dad was on one side and I was on the other. And God called me into ministry at the altar. There's something about the altar that I often wonder to myself, how long do you stay at the altar? Well, you stay while the Lord's speaking. And if He's not speaking, you stay until He is speaking. It happens at the altar. It doesn't usually happen at your seat. Not that the Lord doesn't speak at your seats, because He does. It's an altar experience. Jacob was having altar experiences. In the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Revelation, We get a picture of the throne of God. And at the throne of God, there's the river Jesus that flows from the throne of God. I always think about the altar at the church as where the river of Jesus flows. And the Bible tells us that in in the river, where the river flows, that there's life. And where the river flows, there's healing. And where the river flows, there's glory. And there's salvation. And there's health. And there's the kingdom of God. And so I want to say to you this morning, if you need any of those things, you need to get to where the river of Jesus flows. And it, in my mind, it always flows from the altar. My two awesome boys that are here with me this morning, they said, why do we always have to sit in the front? And I said, 
Because that's where the anointing is. You people back there. When I pastored, this is, this is serious. When I pastored, people would get there early to get the back row. I mean, like, church starts at 10, prayer starts at 9, they would show up at 8.50, put their stuff in the back, and not even come to prayer. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> yeah! I wasn't a good pastor, evidently. <laughs> but they'd get there really early to save the back row seats. I don't, it's probably not like the here. You guys got here late, all right? And so bless you back there, all right? Bless you. But every once in a while, they would, somebody, one, of the, one of the people, and I'm like picking on people I don't even know, all right? But I'm talking about my people. I, all you back there, I know you're awesome, all right? And they would get there, they'd come late to church for whatever reason, and they would, they'd get stuck sitting in the front because nobody sat there. And then after, and this happened every time, after the service, they'd be like, wow, pastor, the spirit of God was moving up here this morning. I'm like, it's like that every week. I don't know why you sit back there. It's like that every week. It's the altar experience. Life flows from the altar. God moves and the altar. I think of it like this. As as Jacob is speaking to the people that's with him, he says, listen, you need to clean up your stuff. We're getting ready to go to the God zone. We're going into to the God zone. I, I don't know about, I see a, a Colts shirt on over here. I hope Andrew Luck makes it into the end zone several times today. Response from the back, that's what it was. Glory. Glory. But he... Jacob tells him, listen, clean it up. We're going to the God zone. And he begins to tell him, get all, get all your demonic stuff. I mean, get, get your idols, get all the stuff, and, uh, and we're going to hide it all. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to bury it. Now, listen, I, I know this. Today, we don't have to do all that stuff. We just come to Jesus and Jesus cleans us all up. Jesus comes to us and he washes us and he makes us white as snow. He makes us new. But, but Jacob knew this. We're going to the God zone. We're going to the altar area. Clean it up. Let's get ready to meet with the king of glory. This morning you might be here and you say, I need to meet with the king of glory. But I got some stuff going on. That's all right. You just come and meet with the king of glory. Let him take care of that for you this morning. Because he can do it, my friend. He can do it. So Jacob shows up at Bethel. He begins to talk with the Lord, and the Lord begins to speak to him. He says, Jacob, you've been a liar and a deceiver. And your name even means liar and deceiver. So today we're going to make some changes. We're going to call you Israel. You've been struggling with God, and now you're winning. So we're going to call you Israel. You're no longer going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel. We're changing your name. You know, you might be here this morning, and you might need a name change. You maybe have been liar and deceiver, and this morning the Lord wants to call you pure and holy. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've been addicted and afflicted, but today the Lord wants to call you child of the King. 
Maybe you, you need a name change because of all the junk and all the garbage, and you have all kinds of nicknames that other people have given you because of what you were doing in the past. Today the Lord wants to give you a brand new name, friend. But it happened at the altar. Understand, it all happened at the altar, and he says, I want to do that for you today. God wants to meet with you at the altar. It was at the altar that God said, my name is God Almighty. Now listen, Abraham came uh, from the Chaldeans, okay? God said, I want you to go somewhere. I got something for you. He came from a pagan people. But he heard a God speak to him. Where he came from, they worshipped many gods. But one day, God Almighty spoke to Abraham and he said, if you're willing to go on a journey, I'm willing to transform your life for generations to come. Abraham said, I'm in. And he began to have a walk with, with God that lasted all of, all of his life. But Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had no relationship with God. Listen, it was different. It must have been different back then. Because Isaac, he was a rascal also. Okay? And then one, guy, one day, God shows up. And he says to Isaac, Isaac, if you'll follow me, all the promises that I gave your father Abraham, I'll give to you. What do you mean? Well, won't you look up to the stars and won't you begin to count them and look at the sand and won't you begin to count that and won't you just begin to look around and if you'll follow me, I'll give you uh, as many descendants as you can count in the stars and the heavens or the sand that's on, uh, that's on the ground and I'll give you this whole land. Isaac says, I'm in. Isaac has some kids. Jacob's one of them. Jacob and Esau. They don't know the God of their fathers until they had an encounter with them at the altar. And God began to do a great work in, in Jacob's life. And Jacob uh, realized that God says this, I'm the God Almighty. You put your faith, hope, and trust in me. Don't put it in the things that this world has to offer, Jacob. You just put it in me. I am God Almighty. Then he says this. He begins to deliver prophetic words to him. He said, at, at the altar, God spoke to Jacob and he said, be fruitful and increase. Why? Because I'm going to give it all to you. And then he looks at him and he says, at this altar, Jacob, I'll give you a promise. A nation and community of nations will come from you. Now listen, remember, he, he was a, from Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau, all right? And then Jacob, he started having many kids. He was being fruitful and increasing in number. That might not be a word for you this morning. Just saying. But then he says this to him. Jacob, from your body, kings will come from you. Jacob, there's royalty in you because of who I am. I'm God Almighty, and from you, kings will sit on thrones. And then the, the Lord brings uh, another prophetic word to him, and he says, at the altar, declares, God declares increase over those who were to come, and I will give all this land to your descendants. He says, it was at the altar, Bethel, the house of God, where new direction came for generations to come. Did you get that? It was at the altar that God was giving direction for generations to come. 
Listen to me this morning. The generations after us are depending upon us to have altar experiences that change the direction of our families. Listen, it doesn't happen while you're cruising Facebook. Oh, it might change the next generation, but not in a godly way. It doesn't happen while you're sitting in front of the TV all the time. Uh, but it happens at the altar that generations to come are transformed and changed. And the generations after us are depending on us having experiences with the King of glory that change our family's future. That change generations to come. My last name's McAtee. I come from a long line of McAtee pagans. When we did family research with our family, we could not find any McAtees that served the Lord. None. The closest we found was a long, long, long past relative that read the Bible while he was drinking moonshine out in his barn. It was the closest we had, closest we could find. When I was growing up, my dad would say, when we go to a family reunion, don't say the words that you hear being said. Don't smoke what they're smoking. Don't drink what they're drinking. And don't look at Uncle Bud's tattoos, all right? <laughs> This was before they were popular, all right? And that's what, that's what every time we went to the McAtee side family reunion, that's what was said to us every time. Why is that? Because there weren't any Christians in our family. But my dad, when he was a teenage boy, said, I'm sick of this life. I don't want to be like all the other McAtees. And so he would leave his house on Sundays and walk to a church. And it was at an altar at the church that he gave his life to Jesus. It was at the altar at the church that he uh, married my mom. It was at an altar at the church that brought change for generations to come. Listen to me. The McAtees aren't the same as they used to be. Because there was a day that one McAtee said, I'm going to the altar. And because he went to the altar and he met with the king of glory, it changed generations to come. And this is what I mean. I'm a pastor. I'm, a, I'm my dad's son. My dad wasn't a pastor. He drove a fork truck while I was growing up. And when I got to college, he lost his job. And then he started making macaroni and cheese for craft. I said, Dad, millions of kids love you. My dad wasn't a, a preacher. Most people say he probably wasn't that godly. But he went to the altar every week. And that altar changed generations to come. My brother's a pastor. My brother's kids serve the Lord. My sister's married to a chaplain in the army. They're serving the Lord. I've got two of my three sons that have a call of God to do the work of the ministry. It changes generations. Come, I want you to hear me this morning. When you get to the altar, the altar will transform your life when you meet with Jesus and generations to come can be transformed and changed. Meeting with the King of glory at the altar. 
My dad's salvation changed everything for our family. Why is that? Because things die at the altar. God gives life. I die to my sin at the altar. Jesus gives me hope. I give up my altar, my idols at the altar, and Jesus gives me a promise. I give up my past at the altar, and the fear of God falls on me, and he reveals himself to me, and I realize I'm no longer my own. I am his, and so I get up from the altar, and I live, and I walk, and I talk a different way. Why? Because the king of glory has transformed my life. As much as we might say in this room, I hate going to the altar, is as much as we need to say in this room, I love going to the altar. Why? It transforms me and it transforms generations to come. Listen, as the assemblies of God, we need to have altar times. Why? Because the next generation is dependent upon us having life changes for generations to come. If the Lord tarries a while, we need to make sure that the next generation knows what altar experiences are. Jacob went to the altar. God spoke to him. He said, I'm going to bring the increase, Jacob. I'm going to bring it your way. There's going to be generational changes that are going to take place, Jacob. Are you ready for that? It's going to be generational changes. Let me just ask this question. How many of us in this room this morning need an altar experience? I need them. I know I'm the preacher this morning. I had one this morning at my house when everybody was asleep. I had an altar experience at my house this morning. But I need another one tomorrow. Why? It's hard to raise giant killers if you don't have altar experiences. The next generation, my grandkids, who aren't, we don't have names for yet, because my boys aren't married yet, they need me having altar experiences. So probably all of us in this room need an altar experience. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I need a healing this morning. Hey, Jesus is able. Might be here this morning and say, you know what? I need a word from God today. Listen, uh, I, we heard a couple prophetic words this morning spoken over our pastors. Powerful. How'd that happen? Well, the Lord spoke this to me. That was an altar experience. I don't know where it was. It might have been folding laundry when it happened. But the Lord spoke. All right? You might be here this morning. You need a word from the Lord. It's a good, good place to get it, right up here in the river Jesus. You might need increase in your life. Your business might be struggling this morning, but I can tell you this, the Lord can speak to you and he can let you know what can take you from a struggling business to a, to a business that's affecting the kingdom of God with your finances. You might be here this morning and say, you know, I need to lay down some sins. I've been to the altar a lot of times to do that. But he meets with me. He wants to meet with you as well this morning. I'm going to ask this morning if you would, would you stand in this place? Colton, could you come and play some keys for us this morning for a few minutes? You might be here this morning and say, 
wish you would have quit preaching 20 minutes ago because I was ready to go to the altar. But you're here this morning. Say, I need an altar, altar experience. On this Pastor Appreciation Day, life transformations will make your pastor happy. Let me just ask this question this morning. You're here today and you say, Pastor, Pastor Chad, I'm, I'm not ready for heaven. I'm not ready for heaven. I'm here this morning. I'm not ready for heaven, but I need to meet Jesus. I need a change in my life. Is there anybody here this morning? You just wave your hand at me and say, yeah, that's me. Anybody at all today? Yes. Anybody else? I, need to meet, I want to meet with Jesus today. I need salvation. You're here this morning. You say, I need a I need a miracle from God. It could be my family, it could be my finances, it could be my business, it could be my physical body. I haven't told anybody there's cancer in me. Jesus, take it away today. I, I have an ear problem. I'm deaf in my right ear. I need a miracle from God. I don't know what it might be, but I know He's able. You might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I need to get to the altar. I need to change generations to come. It might be you this morning. Say, I got to get there. I know this. There's a whole lot more people in here than it looks like there's probably room for. But if you're here this morning, you need to have an altar experience. I'm going to invite you. Would you just come right now? Would you just come? You want to meet with Jesus. Would you just come this morning? You want to meet with the king this morning? You can kneel. You can stand. Just you and Jesus. How long do I stay until you're finished? How long is that going to be? I don't know. I went up there last week. What's the person next to me going to think? Bring them with you. Tell them you want them to pray for you. I got grandkids that aren't serving Jesus. I got kids that aren't serving Jesus. I got to get to the altar. I got a husband, a wife that's not serving Jesus. A brother or sister that's not serving Jesus. I got to get to the altar and pray. Would you come? Just come. That's you this morning. Generations need to be changed. If you want to sit on the front row or kneel on the front row, go ahead and do that this morning. I need to meet with the king this morning. If you're at the altar, go ahead. Just begin to call out to the Lord. River Jesus, would you flow through this place this morning? Spirit of God, would you flow through this place this morning? Would you move through this place right now, Jesus? Spirit of God. Jesus, every heart, every life, transformation beyond a moment, Lord. Miracles, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, come. Spirit of God, oh, we cry out to you, Jesus. Spirit of the Lord, come on. You, you might be at your seat still and you need to come. Just come on. Just come on, meet with your friends up here today. Spirit of God. Spirit of God, come on. At the altar, just call out to Him.
Thank you, Father, that you are everything that we need. You are healing when we're sick. You are refreshing when we need a cool drink. You are our helper and you're our friend. You are for us. You are in us. Everything that we need can be found in you. Father, forgive us for the times when we run to so many other things to satisfy what only you can give. Lord, today our attention is on you. Would you be merciful? Would you be gracious? And would you be kind to us? Father, today I pray the blessing of your comfort over these people. I pray the blessing of your protection and your peace. I pray it will comfort their hearts. They'll find rest for their souls in you. For you are the great shepherd that leads us. <laughs> you take care of us. And I pray the blessing of your presence on their life. Refresh them and grant them new strength, I pray. Father, thank you that we could be here, but Father, more importantly, I'm so glad you've been here today. Because it's in your presence we're changed. And I thank you for that. Pray, Father, today your best blessings upon these incredible people. May your face always shine upon them. May your mercies be fresh and new every morning. As the sun rises each day, may your love be shed upon their lives. Without measure, I pray, keep them right the palm of your hand, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. May his grace be yours in abundance today. May his kindness always overshadow you. God bless you today. May his joy always be your strength. We love you. God bless you today. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Let me pass.